0: The Athletic Hi folks, welcome to another episode of The Athletic FPL Podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game Week 13 is in the books, and it's a very quick turnaround this week with the Game Week 14 deadline on Tuesday at 6 pm UK time. On today's episode, as usual, I'll run through the headlines from Game Week 13. Do a quick game week review, update the watch list, answer questions from Twitter, and discuss game week 14 captaincy and transfers. There's a special offer on The Athletic which ends today, there's just a few hours left, to get a subscription for just £1 a month if you're a new subscriber. Visit theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod to avail of it before it's gone. Headlines from Game week 13, Aaron Ramsdale registered his third clean sheet in four games as Arsenal beat Newcastle 2-0. Steven Gerrard made it two wins from two with his Aston Villa side winning 2-1 at Crystal Palace. John McGinn scored a nice goal to clinch all three points there. Liverpool smashed Southampton 4-0 at Anfield. Diogo Jota scoring 14 points thanks to his first brace of the season. Salah, Trent and Robertson provided an assist each. Two games finished 0-0 on Saturday. Norwich against Wolves and Brighton versus Leeds. Ivan Tony was the match winner for Brentford on Sunday, scoring from the spot in a 1-0 win at home against Everton. Everton, I think it might be seven games without a victory now, so testing times for Rafa Benitez. Jamie Vardy punished the sellers, myself included, scoring twice against Watford in a 4-2 win for Brendan Rogers side to end his run of four blanks. Emmanuel Dennis and Josh King got the Watford goals. Ilkay Gundogan had his best game week of the campaign so far, racking up 13 points in the 2-1 win against West Ham. Double Manchester City defensive owners were crushed by a very late Manuel Lanzini goal. To complete Gaming 13 Chelsea and Manchester United played out a 1-1 draw at Stamford Bridge. Ronaldo was benched by Michael Carrick. And it's safe to say Jorginho won't be getting Christmas cards this year for managers who own double or even triple Chelsea defence following his mistake which allowed Sancho to score. Burnley versus Tottenham was the main headline of the game week, really. It was called off not too long before it was supposed to kick off, much to the disappointment of Kane and Son owners, unless you had good points coming off the bench, that is. We have a new member to the 59th Minute Club. It's been a couple of game weeks since we've had one, so this one is very, very welcome. Welcome Luka Milivojevic from Crystal Palace. 59 minutes in game week 13 is yet another Pretty useless FPL asset which joins the long list of players. So surely over this Christmas period we're going to have a high profile substitution. Notable mentions, defenders. First of all, Cresswell just about made it to 60 minutes. He clattered into the post. Pretty nasty collision. Probably why he got the early substitution there. Tarek Lamptey have been keeping an eye on his minutes recently. He got 75 minutes at the weekend. That follows 78 and 74 in the previous two games. And Marcus Alonso didn't play 90 minutes. He played 77 minutes. And there's a few questions about him later. Midfielders in terms of minutes, Ben Rama and Thiago at Liverpool, very close to a shoutout. Both players got just 58 minutes. Jack Harrison at Leeds 62. Saka and Sancho both played 63 minutes. Looks like Saka has another injury issue following his goal. Wilfred Zaha only 71 minutes and when it comes to forwards Neil Mopai who was back in the Brighton starting 11 for the first time in a couple of weeks managed 67 minutes. Missed a massive chance in that game. Emmanuel Dennis got a 10 pointer for Watford but he Played just 70 minutes. I think he might be yellow flagged there now as well. So there could be an issue there. And Aubameyang, 75 minutes. So you've you've got to stay away from Aubameyang these days. Not doing enough for his price tag and not playing 90 minutes either. A quick review of how the game week went for me. I went ahead with the minus four that I spoke about on the Friday podcast. I got rid of Chilwell, Mbumo and Vardy. And I brought in Rhys James, Jota. And Josh King. So Jota and King did the business. Reese James blanked. But I didn't mind that. Because he was my only Chelsea defender. So it was probably a good thing for me. The Manchester United scored in that game. For the people who have double and triple Chelsea defence. Obviously frustrating. It was looking really good on Sunday. Uh, Jota had done the business on Saturday. Josh King got on the score sheet. Before Vardy did. and But then Vardy went and scored a brace to Take a bit of the shine off it, but overall I think it still came out 6 or 7 points better off for to 4. So I finished on 70 points, take away the 4 and it was 66. That gave me a healthy green arrow from 45k to 27k. The goods, Ramsdale with 7, Ben White with 6. So the game week started well with a double Arsenal clean sheet. Trent got nine, Mr. Consistent, Jota 14, nice to get him in for his highest score of the season so far. Captain Salah with 12, Tony got nine, so nice to see him get the three bonus from the penalty. And Josh King, the new signing, got six. The bad, Rhys James with one, Cancelo with one, both players picking up yellow cards. Rafinha blanked with a three. And I had youngman's son in my starting eleven. I benched Antonio, so I got Antonio off the bench for just two points. So overall, 27k, very good position. I'm looking forward to the midweek game week now. A watch list update: players removed. First of all, Phil Foden because he missed out due to injury. I will add him back to the watch list as soon as I see him back on the pitch. But for now. There is another Manchester City midfielder that I'm a bit more interested in. I've removed Dennis as well. Another very good performance, but I've got Josh King now, so I won't be looking to buy Dennis. I removed a couple of these strikers that I added last week. So Dennis is gone. Benteke is gone as well. I still think Benteke is an okay option, but because I've got Josh King in that cheap striker position now, I don't need to buy any of these guys. So, St Maximin, for the same reason, is also gone. Callum Wilson remains on the watch list. And if I end up going for a Newcastle striker in the near future, it's going to be Callum Wilson rather than St Maximin. Players added to the watch list. The first one is a player I actually removed last week, but he's forced me to put him back on. Tarek Lamptey at Brighton passed the eye test with flying colours. Looked at the numbers as well before recording. Five chances created in that game. So Lampy's looking really good and hopefully he continues to get plenty of minutes. And the main thing is, hopefully he can stay fit for the foreseeable future because he's a very exciting prospect. Rudiger added to the watch list again as well. I might have removed him last week also. Uh, I know I added Alonso last week, and maybe I removed Rudiger. But Rudiger impressed again. Three goal attempts. You know he hit the crossbar from open play. He had the big chance at the end as well. He probably should have won the game, just with a bit more composure. So Rudiger, even though he's one of the centre backs, he gets forward and he's getting those chances. So you know he's back on the watch list and he's back in my thoughts this week. You know I might end up on a Alonso versus Rudiger decision on Tuesday evening. Gundawan is the player from Manchester City that caught my eye again. He's been passing the eye test for me all season when I've seen him. His numbers were good in this one. Obviously, he got the goal and the assist. He had four goal attempts and he also created four chances. I think Laporte hit the post from a Gundawan corner in that game as well. So, if I was to buy a City midfielder for midweek, it probably would be Gundawon, unless we know that Foran is 100% fit, but... Good one, good value. I think he's you know he's a good million cheaper than Foden anyway, so I really like him as a pick. Lukaku is back. He played about nine or ten minutes in that game against Manchester United. So I was always going to add him back to the watch list as soon as I seen him on the grass. Still feel it's a little bit too early probably to go for him. I think there's a question about Lukaku, so I'll come back to him. And finally. Like Tarek Lamptey, Jamie Vardy has forced me to add him back to the watch list. I owned them for the four blanks, sold them as part of the minus four, and of course he goes and scores the two goals. And it could have been even more. could have been three or four goals for Vardy in that game, having just watched those highlights on match of the day. So, yeah, don't think about going straight back to him. But when a player scores a brace and, and could have had more, he's, he's going to be added straight back to the watch. I think that's nine goals for Vardy in 13 game weeks, so it's pretty impressive numbers for Vardy.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to com slash courtside to learn more.
0: Twitter questions now. Thank you for everyone who sent them in. First one is from FPL or VP, and I enjoyed looking at your profile picture of Robin Van Persie. Brought back some very good FPL memories do you think people should have a full playing bench given the congested fixtures? Or can we get away with having just one or two? So yeah, I think ideally during this busy period and at most periods of the season, not just during the, the busy festive fixtures, I think you wanna have I think you wanna have two playing defenders at this stage. You know, we've seen that game get postponed at the weekend. COVID seems to be ramping up in the UK now as well, so we could see more players missing out for COVID reasons. So I think Ideally, you want to have at least two playing defenders. I think you can get away with having one dud player. So, you know, having, what is it, 13 outfield players. Um, you know, if you've got someone, if, if your third sub is someone who, who plays zero minutes every week, it's, it's probably fine. But I think first sub in particular should be a decent option. Someone who can come in and get you more than two points. That's why I've moved to Josh King as my first sub. I started him this week. he's going to be my first sub for the next two game weeks because he's got trickier fixtures and I've got Leverimento there as well. So Brownhill's my third sub. He's not much good, but at least he plays and he gets two points every week, which is much better than someone who gets zero. So yeah, if your bench is very weak, try and have two options that can come in for you because you're probably going to need them over the next couple of game weeks. Question from Sean. How do you feel about just burning a transfer? Sean stuck to his, if in doubt, do not approach this week. He now has two free transfers and doesn't think he needs to do anything. And he says there is a certain uneasiness about it. I feel like I need to do something. Yeah, this this happens you know, it usually happens once or twice during a season. If you manage your squad well, you know, if you fix your weakest link often and you save your transfer often as well. Sometimes you get to a game week where you've got two free transfers and you're completely happy with your fifteen players. And if that is the case it's totally fine to burn a transfer. You've got to probably give yourself a pat on the back and say, I've managed my squad very well to this point. Just because I have two free transfers doesn't mean I need to use one of them because if it's not going to strengthen the squad, don't make a transfer just for the sake of it. You know, more often than not, there probably is something small you can do, even if it's changing your second goalkeeper or something like that, from maybe a non playing goalkeeper to a foster. Although Foster did miss out this weekend, so maybe not the best time to do that. But if you're in a scenario where you're 15 players, you're really happy with them and you don't want to change it, just do nothing. Even if you do have the two free transfers, sometimes I think people don't realise you'll still have two free transfers the following game week, even if you don't use them. I know you are kind of losing a transfer and transfers are valuable. But if your team's perfect, I've done it before and I'm sure I'll do it again in the future. You know, there's no need to use it if there's no improvements to be made. Don't feel like you need to do it just because you have the two free transfers. Question from Noah Style: Is Jota a must-own and is it worth moving from 4 to Jota, which would leave me with no Manchester City attackers? So, I always say this, no player is ever a must-own. You could argue maybe Salah this season probably is, and Trent's probably in there as well. There's probably quite a few actually this season, like Cancello. And the Chelsea wing-backs as well. But when it comes to Jota, I wouldn't say he's a must-own, but I wouldn't like to not own him at the moment. Hopefully we'll get an update from Klopp before the deadline about the status of Firmino. And if Firmino is still out for the Everton fixture midweek, I would probably prioritise getting Jota in this week. I prioritised getting him. Last week, he was a big part of why I took the minus four, because I thought that Southampton fixture was a great one for Jota and Liverpool. So I was very, very determined to get him in last week. And I'm very happy to have him now for the Everton fixture midweek, because Everton are really poor at the moment. I watched the Brentford-Everton game today in its entirety. Well, I tried to watch it in its entirety. I was kind of falling asleep for quite a lot of it. Both teams weren't great, but Everton in particular, they've got lots of injuries. Confidence is very low there, so I expect Liverpool to win that one comfortably. So if you don't have Jota, I would be looking to bring him in. But you might just want to keep an E route for Klopp on Firmino. But even if Firmino is back, I would fancy Jota to keep his place, given his performance at the weekend against Southampton. Would I move Foden to Jota? I probably would, even if Pep says Foden is fit. No guarantee that he's going to start, especially coming off the back of an injury. So yeah, I would go Foden to Jota this week. Question from Vishnu, best replacement for Chilwell, for those who still have him, Regulon, Alonso or someone else? And Vishnu says, I already have Trent, Cancelo, Reese James and Livramento. So yeah, if you still have Chilwell, obviously you have to sell him. He's going to be out for five or six game weeks at least. Vishnu mentions Regulon or Alonso here. I think, I think Chelsea is still the way to go. I know they didn't keep a clean sheet against Manchester United, but... I mean, they were very close to it. If it wasn't for Jorginho's mistake, we were looking at lots of clean sheets for for Chelsea defensive owners again. So I've got the same back four that Vishnu mentions here in Trent, Cancelo, James and Leverimento. And I've got one free transfer and I'm looking to possibly get rid of Ben White this week. Uh, And the question then is, do I go for Alonso or do I go for Rüdiger? I don't think I'll go for Regulon. I just think the Chelsea guys are better. So, I think those are the main options. I think you go for another Chelsea defender from Chilwell. And then it's up to you which one you go for. Do you go Rüdiger or do you go Alonso? So, I'm still leaning towards Alonso. I know some people are going to get worried that he was taken off early. Brees James went to left wing back. Pulisic came on and played right wing back. Pulisic didn't play for long, but he was impressive. When he did come on, he had an impact, created a few chances. He created the Rüdiger chance. So... You know, Chelsea fans, when you go on social media, the Chelsea fans, a lot of them, they don't like Alonso. I was just searching Twitter at one point this evening, looking at how many corners Alonso took. He took 13 corners, and Rhys James took no corners. And I, to me, I thought, right, that's great then I've seen all the comments from Chelsea fans about how bad Alonso's corners were. They said he took 13 and I don't think he had a Chelsea man with any of them. So there's a bit of an agenda against Alonso among the Chelsea fans. But I don't think that's going to put me off. I still expect him to be the regular left wing back. Tuchel, he could do some maverick things. We could see him possibly line up with Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic in a wing back position. He's already shown today that he's willing to put James across to left wing-back as well. I don't think that will become a regular thing. I'd be very surprised if Rhys James started a game at left wing-back. But Tuchel, he's hes a hard man to predict. So slight concerns over Alonso now, which I think are justified. But I still think I'm leaning towards getting him over Rüdiger for the midweek round of fixtures. Question from Ed Startup. Alonso versus Gallagher. Where do you see better value Bringing in Alonso would mean going five at the back. I still think five at the back is totally viable. And Alonso versus Gallagher, for me, there's only one answer. Because Alonso plays for Chelsea, one of the best teams in the league. So I think Alonso, I'd be backing Alonso to offer better value over the next, say, five or six games if he starts the majority of them versus Gallagher. I would back Alonso, even if Alonso started, let's say, five of the next six and Gallagher started 6 out of 6. I would still back Alonso to come out on top in terms of points there. I still think Gallagher's a very good option. But I just think when it comes to Chelsea wing-backs, they're the guys you've got to go for. So yeah, Alonso over Gallagher for me. Next question is from FPL Shoram. What do we do with Son and or Kane? So yeah, if you've got those guys, obviously very frustrating that that game was called off. Sometimes in FPL, you can do all the planning in the world. And then the weather just... Comes in and wreaks havoc with you. You know, usually it's COVID who wreaks havoc over the last couple of years. I think that's the first time a game's been called off for snow for a long time. It might be something like ten years in the Premier League, so it is very, very rare. So very unlucky. Especially if you, let's say if you had a triple up on Spurs and you didn't have a great bench. It's just one of those things. You got to take it on the chin, out of your control, and you know you can't beat yourself up about that because there was nothing you could do about that. If you've got the likes of Kane and Son now, I think we've got to keep them. I've got Son, next three fixtures, Brentford, Norwich and Brighton. So to me, that's pretty good. It's it's annoying that we didn't have the Spurs game this weekend because it would have been good to see what they look like. And, and you know, can we trust them for these next three fixtures? We're still a bit in the dark when it comes to our Tottenham and, you know, is Kane and Son, are they going to be good options for us? And is, is it worth the investment? So we're still unsure on that. But for now, I think we've got to keep them unless there's players you really want to get and you know you need to free up cash. And if you really want the likes of Jota, you know, if you don't have players like Rhys James, Cancelo, Trent, dare I say it, Salah, if you don't have Salah at this stage, you, you probably should just stop playing and come back next season. But if you don't, yeah, you can probably sell the likes of Kane and Son to get those players. But if not, if you've got the usual suspects, I would just hold on to them because the fixtures are okay. Question from FPL Morrow. Who is the best Mbumo replacement? There was about 55 of the same question this week. People who have Mbumo are finally done with him. I was done with him last week and I was I was glad to see him blank again. I haven't sold him. So a couple of notes here. Five blanks in a row. He's got to go. He's 5.6 million. He's probably going to be 5.5 million soon, I would guess. It's a very hard price point. So if you're getting rid of Mbumo, you've got to probably try to do what I did last week, which is upgrade him by making two or three transfers. So ideally two free transfers and upgrade Mbumo, an because at the same price or cheaper, there's very few good options. So I think in order of preference, or, or if you've got a bit of cash in the bank, you know, Jota I think is the best one. And then I'd probably put gundo on second at the moment, Gallagher third. And if you want a differential, Corneille at Burnley or Trossard at Brighton. The other options, then, you could change things up. You could get rid of Bumo, maybe in a double move, and get a, an extra defender instead, like I've mentioned a few times. Or you could go down the route of getting a Josh King or a Dennis or a Pookie. Just keep an eye on Dennis' his fitness over the next couple of days. Looking at the cheap midfielders, roughly at the same price, maybe slightly more. John McGinn as a differential, possibly could flourish under Stephen Gerrard. Uh, Smith-Rowe I still think is a good option as well, but I still think Gallagher is the better option there. So if you've got no cash in the bank and you've only got one free transfer, I probably would just save the transfer and then try and get rid of him the following week with two free transfers because he's an awkward price and and you really want to try and upgrade him or else do a double move to get a defender instead of him or maybe a cheap striker. Question from Stephen Curtis. Is Vardy a hold or should we sell him for Kane or Lukaku? If I still owned Vardy and he just scored a brace for me, and if he had Southampton next, I'd be keeping him. I don't think you move for Kane or Lukaku from Vardy at the moment. So very much I would keep him after that performance against Watford. I liked what i have seen of Jamie Vardy in that game. And Leicester needed that result. Could bring them a bit of confidence. Madison had a good game linking up with Vardy for two of those goals. So yeah, I would keep Vardy for the short term. Question from Rock. What do you think about Madison's two assists and one goal? Do you think he's becoming a good asset? He has always flattered to deceive in FPL. He kind of dangles the carrot in front of you like he did against Watford. And then usually he doesn't deliver on that promise. So he was bigging himself up on the interview in Match of the Day. I think he said he had three goals in his last five starts and four assists. Now I need to go and double check that because... Sounds a little bit too good to be true, but if he said it himself, it must be. But he did say it was, you know, it's it starts not appearances off the bench, so it, it might be right. So Madison one good performance. I never buy a player off the back of one good FPL performance. So let's see a bit of consistency from him. Maybe he can step up while Telemans is out. But for now, I think Vardy's a better option at Leicester. Question from Justin Basma. Is it time to offload Havertz now that Lukaku is back? I think the answer is yes. Havertz didn't come off the bench, as far as I know, in the Manchester United game. He did have a a niggle going into the game, so that probably explains that. But, you know, as soon as Lukaku's back, you don't really want to own Havertz. The Chelsea midfielders are a bit of a nightmare because there's so many of them and there's so much rotation. You know, we've seen Mason Mount on the bench again. You know, the likes of Hudson-Odoi, Ziyech, these guys are getting lots of minutes. So Havertz, too much of a rotation risk. Let him go. There's better options out there that play 90 minutes every week. Lukaku, like I said earlier, still think it's a little bit too early to go there. Uh, I'd like to see him start a game first before investing because there's no guarantee that he's going to start the midweek fixture when he only got 9 or 10 minutes.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick Sporting Goods.
0: On to captaincy now for game week 14, I've had a look at my Matrix, which I put together a couple of weeks ago. The names on that list are Salah against Everton, and he's underlined because he is the one I'm planning to captain. Lukaku against Watford has a question mark because of his fitness, so I don't think I would captain him because I can't say 100% that he's going to start or play 90 minutes. Phil Foden against Aston Villa also has a question mark because of fitness so I wouldn't captain him now either so again this week all the signs are pointing back towards Mr. Mohamed Salah you could go for the Spurs guys they play Brentford Brentford did keep a clean sheet today though so I wouldn't be in a rush to captain Kane or Son in that one the other options if you own Vardy confidence after that performance. I think Southampton is a good fixture. So Vardy is a captaincy option midweek. He had five shots in the box against Watford. Jota and Trent, I think, should be in the conversation as well for the Everton fixture. Jota had seven shots in the box against Southampton. I think Salah had four. So Jota, very very impressive. So yeah, for me, I think it's going to be Salah again still on Perma-Captain Salah. Nobody has given me Enough reason to go elsewhere just yet. In terms of transfers, I've got one free transfer. The plan before the game week happened, before all the weekend's action, was to get rid of Ben White and go for Alonso. I do have some slight concerns now about what Thomas Tuchel is going to do with his wing-backs while Chilwell is out. I still think I'll probably go ahead with the transfer and get Alonso on Tuesday evening after I hear all the press conferences and see if there's any comments from Tuchel. The other option is I could go for Rudiger if I want to be a bit more boring and a bit more safe. And like I said, you know, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I just think he's still a, a very good option. But I'd rather if, if Rüdiger was cheaper than Alonso, I'd be giving it a lot more thought. I think Rüdiger's six million now. Alonso's a little bit cheaper, so it makes it easier to go that way as well. Obviously the other option for me is is bank the transfer. So I'll give that a little bit of thought as well. But I, I, I do want to get a second Chelsea defender, I think. That's the pod for Game Week 14. hope you enjoyed it and if you'd like to support me as a full-time fpl content creator please check out patreon.com forward slash fpl general have a great week folks best of luck for the midweek game week i'll be back later in the week to preview game week 15 i'm not sure yet if it will be a thursday or a friday release so keep an eye on twitter for updates on that one and i will talk to you then the athletic